wow. Look at all these gifts. Mm. Huh? Mm. Oh, I thought it was for real. Oh. What's that? Oh! The fungus is in my bed again! No, Mommy. I want to sleep some more, huh? Moon Podcast Escalation! My name is Jordan D. White. My name is Chris Sims, and this is Sailor Business. It's the podcast where we sit down with a friend each and every week and watch an episode of the classic 1992 Sailor Moon anime and talk about why it is that we love it and Sailor Moon so much. Except recently, where I've been really uh, down on the whole Enterprise. No, that was one episode. It feels it feels like it's been since the start of R. No, it wasn't. Like, I referred to it, uh, I was talking to Aiden today, and I referred to it as Sailor Moon Rough. Because it feels like it has been rough going. But fortunately, fortunately, I feel like we're about to get back on track because this episode, we're back to the Spectre Sisters. We're back to Cohen. We're back to Bertier. We're back to Rubius being a complete idiot. We're going to be watching Sailor Moon R episode 68, Protect Chibiusa, Clash of the Ten Warriors. And in order to help us do that, we have a very special guest rejoining us from last week's episode, Lisa Patillo. Welcome back, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me back after last week's episode and not holding its content against me. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> Look, it's, I don't think you made it. <laughs> it was an now, experience. It felt 900 years long. But here we are this week with a better episode. <laughs> it did. It felt, it felt like we watched it and didn't age for 900 years. Uh... So, uh, Lisa, now you, we mentioned last week, I did ask people to write in and tell us if they had favorite, like if, if Sailor Moon R has your favorite moments in it and you mentioned that you really like r as a whole so maybe that's where we can start this time before we get into our our listener questions segment which we usually do what do you like about r i, I know you like chibiu so we talked about that last week well obviously that is what would be number one but i feel like it's a really great segue between uh season one and three and i don't just mean numerically you see a lot of really good growth for most of the characters but especially sailor moon and chibiu coming in I'm not totally keen on the really dumb, oh, I have to break up with her because this mysterious voice I don't know is telling me to do things when he should really just tell her. So that drives me nuts. But I really like the the stuff you see in the future, the Crystal Tokyo, Neo Queen Serenity, the little glimpses of that. And then, of course, R varies a lot if you're going by the anime or by the manga. The way it ends is actually really different. Um, I'm partial to the way the manga ends, but the anime is good, too. I'm um, getting to see, spoiler, 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 is really neat in the last like four episodes <laughs> sorry we do not want to spoil this thing from 24 years ago everyone <laughs> hey apparently from listening to this show those episodes seemed hard to come by for people on network tv doesn't sound like it got is... uh, it got syndicated quite as much as it did in canada did they, did they show like... stars in canada not stars but they did show everything else okay yeah no they didn't it didn't get in syndication that far it got it, i think the cartoon network aired it up through super s i, I think I don't ever remember seeing those. The only, like, 
we're getting kind no? of to the point in, Maybe in the podcast where after we finish up R, we will be in what is for me uncharted territory. Like, I'm excited. Aiden and I even haven't watched uh, watched ahead, so uh, we'll be getting to that. But I guess now is the time where we're going to take a few more questions from uh, Twitter and email. And I've got I've got some emails I'd like to start with Jordan. Sure, if that's all right with you. Yeah. Uh, we got a, a a nice little missive from uh, Jim Bradfield who sent us some notes on episodes uh, 62 through 64. Uh, and I think th- there's a lot in there about uh, Chibiusa being 900 years old, which uh, I have banned that fact. <laughs> so, we, have, we have reinterpreted that fact. Yeah, we have reinterpreted it. It's a metaphor. But I do want to point out that in episode 63... I said that I had a feeling that uh, protection aesthetics was a pun, uh, and and Jim Bradfield has confirmed that. He says that the name in Japanese was Purotekuto Esute, which was abbreviated to Puroesu, which is, of course, close to Proresu, which is what they call pro wrestling in Japanese. <laughs> so I was right. That is why that is such a pro wrestling themed episode. Nice. We also heard from Jacob King who said that he is watching the Korean teen drama Schoolgirl Detectives on Netflix, which uh, that sounds like something I want to watch. He says it is bonkers in the best David Lynch does Degrassi kind of way. So I think I have a new thing to get super into. What's it called? Uh, It's called Schoolgirl Detectives. It's a Korean teen drama. Okay. And he says that he was unsurprised that a show featuring five teen girls fighting crime shared many similarities with Sailor Moon. But one did surprise him, which is that the tallest girl is a keen baker, making her a Sailor Jupiter analog. Uh, And so he would like to know, if anyone out there knows, are uh, being tall and really being into baking positively correlated in uh, East Asian media? And if so, why? So please write in and let us know if, if you happen to know that weird little cultural touchstone <laughs> because cupboards are too tall that's my answer as a short person cupboards are too tall now do so you like to tall, bake? bake i do i also live with someone who's to reach things for me how how tall are you i'm five three so not five three short. okay well that's that's taller taller than usagi not as tall as makoto that is i, I think you're around uh i think you might be around like venus's height i still can't believe how short usagi is it's yeah, crazy it is pretty nuts Got a, a very nice, uh, a very nice email from CJ, uh, which was which was good to hear. Thank you for sending that in, and uh, I think that's it as far as emails. Well, we have tons of questions to get through, so no problem. For example, here's one from uh, Boring Rocks, which I, I think I think might be a little naive, but let's see what he thinks or what the what the question is. If Lita's parents died in a plane crash. What are the odds her dad became akin to Corsair, and how great would that story be? <laughs> <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is a reference to the popular Marvel X-Men comic books, in which Cyclops's father and Ben Havoc's father, uh, father and mother, allegedly died in a plane crash after shoving their children out the door <laughs> so that Cyclops <laughs> could bonk his head on a rock and not be able to control his mutant eyes. Saving but- their lives! Saving their lives. But instead of dying in the plane crash, his father, Christopher Summers, uh, was abducted by aliens at the last minute and became a space pirate named Corsair, who (laughs) flies around the galaxy uh, as basically a mustachioed Han Solo with a sexy cat lady. Uh, Not unlike Cohen. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's how most plane crashes go down. 
Like I feel like it's a very low percentage. Boo. I didn't mean. I didn't mean. To be, I didn't. Okay. No, but you I will know, say, like, like I can, I can tell you how I think that would work out. Please. In terms okay. Of his, what actually happened, you see, is Makoto was in the plane with them when the plane went down. She and her brother were thrown into safety. She has forgotten her brother because of the trauma, and now sees flashes of a strange boy in her head that she has now decided was an ex-boyfriend. Her father was actually abducted by someone who was attempting to bring Sailor Jupiter back to her planet in preparation for the incoming Negaverse assault. Whoa! So you think that, that her senpai is actually her, uh, her, uh, Onichan. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's a lot of different stories. Like, that's a different kind of comic. <laughs> no, I'm just trying say... to piece together a traumatized mind. <laughs> for, for, from the, a plane. for a, the number of dead parents in this superhero story, they don't come back. American superhero stories almost always involve, like, you know, dead parents coming back. No. Uh, or, you know thought dead relatives making their dramatic returns what uh but that no it does like one yeah like but like but just as a quick story like not a not like for reals no but i feel like if you have a if you have a a high profile uh mysteriously dead relative with no body yeah no i get you but you know what the difference is that the sailor scouts parents are not important it's not like makoto spends a lot of time going like it's because my parents are dead that I learned to become such a good cook. Every time I cook, I think of my dead parents and I cry. Like, that's not a thing that happens. It's just like, where are her parents? I don't know. Who cares? That's 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 the origin of her parents' death. Who cares? <laughs> how how could you say that uh, Ikuko and Kenji are not important? That is offensive. Those are Makoto's parents? No, those are Yusagi's parents. No, her parents are, but her parents aren't dead. Her lunar mother is. Uh, who, who has come back several times. Yes. Who has come back. Right. But then before she has more time to come back, now we've got future parents. <laughs> so we're, we're, we've moved on from old parents to new parents. There's too many parents. Uh, here's a question from Mother Nerdbird. Are there too many parents or are there not enough parents? Too many. Um, is Amy studying so hard to be a doctor and exercise in futility? Oh, we've kind of talked about this. Since she knows pretty much she'll become one of Serenity's guards... Do you think she ever gets her degree, and would she even have time to practice medicine on the side? In thousand years? Like, probably. I would imagine she's, yeah. like, a thousand years later, she's, like, a super doctor who, like, has gotten every degree. Yeah, but, like, she also, in a thousand years, lives in a world where everyone is immortal. So there are no, like, there is no point to a doctor anymore in that Well, how world. do we know that she didn't play a part in them being immortal? Right. Not everything can be the, me- yes. the silver crystal. Not to mention... I, well, I mean... <laughs> You say that. Not to mention quality of life, Chris, not quantity. Eh, that's yeah, what fair. if it, it keeps them young and youthful looking, but they're rotting on the inside? You don't know. <laughs> she has to, like, and advise guys, them not to get, like, cancer and stuff. You see, Like, you seem to have some very dark future of Sailor Moon works. <laughs> hey, I said they could have dinosaurs. <laughs> that's true. I, I do feel like of all the, of all the senshi... Ami gets screwed over in terms of her dream pretty hard. Ray wants to be a priestess and an idol, right? And in the future, she is basically that. Like she is a super famous immortal goddess who rules over the universe. So you know that's kind of as close as it can be. But you like know Jupiter, she's not satisfied because she because Sailor Moon is the like number one. Like well, she's always looked at as Sailor Moon's like helper and so she's like uh this is the worst yeah sorry sorry you're in the supporting cast right <laughs> i think once your friend ascends 
to become goddess of the universe, you kind of let that go. She will say she did, <laughs> but she won't. Hey, here's another question. Uh, Crooked Knight asks, so did Alan and ever try, for instance, watering the doom tree? <laughs> I, there's a lot of things that Alan and Anne never tried. <laughs> like, what? You want us to kill babies? All right, I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> they, they make up a lot of assumptions. They uh, really do. What else we got? Oh, here's one. Allie Brinken asks, if the inner senshi and tuxedo mask were the infinity watch, who would have which gem? Oof. Oh, boy. Jo Jordan, you're you're an editor. You can answer this canonically. Uh, oh, canonically. Wow. <laughs> What you say goes. Um, let's see. Let me look up the Infinity Gems to make sure I don't accidentally skip one. There are, there are six. Uh, which one is most Usagi? Hmm. Usagi would probably have the Soul Gem. Yeah, I guess so. Because, like, friendship being her her uh, her deal. Power Gem would be Jupiter. Mind Gem would be Amy. <sighs> see, I, I mean, here's the thing. Time Gem would be Pluto, but obviously we, Pluto's not doesn't count so i don't know who well, we time jim would be tuxedo mask because he's sending messages back to his past self telling him to gaslight his his 14 year old girlfriend not like long after cool he's dude. not long after getting messages from his past self <laughs> get with his girlfriend yeah, uh, that dude's a mess or or i would say well I, I was gonna say or you could kick a tuxedo mask out and give the time gem to chibi but yeah you're right let's give it to tux uh, space and reality is left. I mean, I would give probably reality to Venus and space to Ray. Not that that super makes sense, but no, I'd, I think, go, the, I'd go the other way around with those two. Actually, you would, yeah, because because Ray seems much more pragmatic. Well, she definitely is the one who wants to control all aspects of reality. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but and that's Mina, why, hey, Jordan. Yes, Mina always has her head in the stars. Oh, well, that's true. Jordan, did you know the Infinity Gems don't make any sense? In what capacity? <laughs> I, I mean, no, no one listens to this, right? Like, I can, I can get away with saying that. Like, they don't make any sense. In what capacity? Explain yourself. In, in that there is one that controls reality. Yeah, but it, what it means is like, which is everything. No, 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 no. It's much more like, I don't know, like wishes, like wishes, kind of. Which you know, space is just like kind of teleportation and moving and 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 transportation and stuff oh and according to according to this uh wikipedia that i'm reading at its full potential the space gem grants omnipresence so you can actually be everywhere a la uh what's his name infinity eternity eternity I'm sorry backwards <laughs> anyway uh yeah. that's that's the answer that's the the infinity feel watch. free to cut that out entirely <laughs> no why just because it's banned and you answered it no, because it has nothing to do with Sailor Moon. It was a crossover with Sailor Moon. Shiny stones. It has everything to do with Sailor Moon. <laughs> Magic uh, that gems. Is true. That is true. <laughs> Magic rocks. Oh, well, okay. What else we got? What else we got? Okay. Somebody, uh, Vanessa asked us, what other powers do the scouts have? They appear to run and jump way better than normal humans. So that's a good question. I think once in a while we have sort of discussed, like, what, do, the, do they have a base level power in addition to their attacks? They clearly can jump, like, multiple stories in the air. Well, they fly Agility, in one episode. Sure. They do fly in an episode, or maybe it's just slow motion jumping. Like in the manga and then in Crystal, they kind of spend a lot of their time flying. Really? They do, like, they do like the Dragon Ball Z thing. They kind of float there for exposition and for preparing to attack. Oh, wow. Ground is optional. Huh. Chris, what do you think? The the episode where they fly is like that, that Simpsons uh, Treehouse of Horror episode where Lucy Lawless shows up and... 
get the at the end of the episode, she picks up Lisa and they're fly. She flies her home, and Lisa goes, "Wait, Zena can't fly." And Lucy Lawless goes, "I told you, I'm not Zena." <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's very it's a very weird thing that it only happens once, and then it is never mentioned again. Sure, like maybe that's how they got to that island. Maybe they didn't take that boat. Maybe they just flew there under their own power. But then where did the boat come from? Well, that's how Ray got there. Oh, well, that's true. Listen, they do we have, can't they do fix have, like, last sailor, week's episode. They do have their sailor teleport, right? They use that in the first season? No, I think they they're going to the use movie. it later in this season. Yeah, even the movie. For some reason, I thought they used that to get to the Negaverse, but I guess they just went to a portal to the North Pole or something. No, maybe they did teleport to the North Pole. I can't remember. I can't remember. So about Point D? Yeah, did they teleport to Point D? Point D was in the Arctic, Jordan. That's the North Pole. I know. I just like the line, Point D is in the Arctic. <laughs> All right, last question. One of the things well, one of the things that we've been told is that like each of the scouts has their own power. Well, right? yes. Like, yes. That Jupiter is abnormally strong. Uh, Ray is obviously psychic. Uh, Ami is really, really smart. Uh, the one that we had trouble figuring out was was Minako, and and people wrote in with uh, I think they they even scanned parts of the manga that explained that she's like extremely agile and athletic, which is not something that we ever have seen on this show so far. But I don't know how that translates to to what they do, it, like like to superpower terms, like sure. to to stats terms. And it's it's honestly it's the same question that I have with with the Power Rangers. Where, uh, when you know, when they morph, do they get superpowers? Like, are they stronger? Are they faster? Or are they just their own bodies wearing different clothes? Which is something that, as far as I know, is never really explained in Power Rangers either. I I wouldn't know. <laughs> they seem to take hits a little better. I mean, when they're not powered up, they can get hit by a putty. But then when they get transformed, they can take like you know, random generic blasts that blow up two feet in front of them. Yeah, and we rarely see like we really see the scouts fighting as normal humans you know we see, we see jupiter like throw down on zoocyte in her first appearance but we don't like they they transform to fight volcanoes sometimes i feel like they can take so. more damage when they're transformed yeah sometimes i feel like sometimes monsters like will physically assault them and like hit the smack them down in some way or other I, I guess. I guess that's true. Like we're going to see a little bit of damage in this episode that we're watching. Today. Yeah. So, Chris, last question. Luke asks, Sailor Moon R, or states, Sailor Moon R is basically just the Terminator. What other famous movies would you like to see made into Sailor Moon seasons? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, obviously, I would like, a, I would love a heist movie <laughs> where they, they have to break into the Dark Kingdom and uh, and get something and steal Tuxedo Mask out of the microwave. That would be a good one. <laughs> I mean, I obviously want a Evil Dead season of Sailor Moon, but I don't want all the scouts to die. <laughs> Lisa, do you have a, a movie that you'd like to see as a Sailor Moon season, as an arc? My first thought was Back to the Future, because it's my favorite movie, but many would argue that R is Back to the Future already. Yeah, that, that's R. <laughs> no, no, no. R. We're, we're Except for Chibiusa has to come back and break her parents up. No, no, we have she to have... to get them back together, because one of them falls in love with her instead. Usagi goes back and her father is hitting on her. Or does Usagi go back to the future to the Moon Kingdom and Queen Serenity's husband, whoever that is, that we've never seen before, is hitting on her? She doesn't have a father. There was no father involved. Does this make Queen Beryl Biff? (laughs) Yes! Wait, uh, hang on. I couldn't tell if that was a joke or, or a canonical thing that we missed out on. Which? 
the uh, her not having a father. Uh, well, I don't think a father's ever addressed, but there's pretty, you know, there's there's fan theories that I think give pretty good uh, credence to her having no father. Like Wonder Woman style, except that they gave Wonder Woman a father. Very similar to, to original Wonder Woman Origins, yeah, where pretty much people say that Serenity, Queen Serenity wanted to have a child, so she used the power of the Silver Crystal to create a child, which is why the Silver Crystal is later in uh, Serenity's body, and why she is so crazy powerful, because she is built from pure love and magic. She was Aww, created. I'm on board for that. That is why there is no father. <clears throat> so then pure love and magic would hit on her in the Back to the Future version. <laughs> All right. Well, that, I think that's pretty good. Please send us more questions to at Sailor Business on Twitter, and we will answer them flippantly. Chris, this week's episode uh, does have a Deke name, but there's no possible way in hell that you will ever guess it. That makes me want to go look it up just so I can I can pretend like I just guessed it out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you'd like to try to guess it, you can, but... There's no possible way you will guess it. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Is it Rini's secret revealed? <laughs> no. You wish it made that much sense. <laughs> what is it? It. Oh God. It's. Um. Sorry. I, I want to make sure I get it right. It's naughty and nice. Naughty and nice. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Naughty. <laughs> Apostrophe and apostrophe, nice. What? Wow, that w that was a two seconds from print decision. <laughs> Why? I because because it's both naughty and nice. Okay, I don't have there an answer. Are two things that have that. There are two kinds of things that have that title, and that is Christmas stories and pornography. <laughs> and this is neither one of those. <laughs> it has nothing to do with either of them, and I I don't have any clue why they would call it that. But that is absolutely what it is called. They're like, there's it... good guys and bad guys in one episode, like every other episode. Let's call it naughty and nice. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's, uh, I mean, I will say this is the return of uh, the villains that Annie Creighton turned Catface Meowmers and Sexy Elsa. Yes. So uh, after a few episodes of Pets and Calaveras, we're getting back to the original two Spectre sisters. But I mean, and real well, I you get all four of them though, for real. I wonder, did we they did. work those that title into the deep dub at all, like in the episode itself? Not from what I could tell. Uh, I watched that earlier today, and I do I don't remember anything relevant to Naughty and Nice coming up. They yell at Rini. That's the closest, but I, that they get. But they don't call her Naughty. They're not like, oh, you naughty girl. Now let's be nice. All right, so let's get into this episode, because it's only been a minute, right? right? It's been a, a mere seconds since the last time people heard our voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seconds later. Since we had the conversation about why I liked Sailor Moon R and other things I remember in vivid detail. When, when seconds ago, as we all remember, seconds ago, we talked about how the Deke Dub episode is called Naughty and Nice. That is a terrible name. <laughs> uh, something has come up in the intervening seconds, though, that I do want to point out about last week's episode. Oh, what's that? Uh, Ross May, who is at Ross May Writer on Twitter, uh, sent us a message talking about how he believes the animators for last week's episode were lazily taking inspiration from the first Doraemon film, which is called Doraemon Nobita's Dinosaur. Uh, which is about a whiny kid befriending a baby plesiosaur. Doraemon is a robot future cat, which, as we all know, who can pull out any device required, the main one being a propeller. It's a very famous anime movie, so I think the animators were making a joke lots of people would get. 
which is really interesting because Doraemon, I know now, is hugely popular in uh, Japan, but it only just recently made it to uh, America. It's on on Disney XD now, and I've watched a, a bunch of it. But for American audiences watching Sailor Moon, they would have no idea what those references were to. Sure. Well, including you, who has apparently watched that show even. Yeah. Well, I've, I've watched the, the newer version. I, wasn't, I haven't watched any of the stuff from the 90s. Oh, okay. All right, so let's get into this week's episode, though. Jordan, can I have a can I have a minute? Uh, I guess a whole minute. You you get you you don't sound like you're excited. I, I well, I don't need a full minute. I just need a couple seconds, really. Okay, seconds. Yes, that's what I'll give you. Yes. Okay, I need like maybe ten seconds. Can I have like ten seconds? Eleven. I'm generous. Eleven seconds. You're very generous today. Yes. That's very nice of you. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Eleven seconds. Put it on the clock. Go. Our heroine. Is Usagi Skino. She's a cancer. She's blood type O. Her, she's 14 years old. She's also secretly Sailor Moon, a superheroine known for eating, sleeping, and taking the easy way out. She is joined in her crusade against evil by Ami Mizuno, the kind-hearted girl genius, who is also Sailor Mercury. Rei Hino, the hot-headed psychic, who is also Sailor Mars. The powerful girl in love, Makoto Kino, who is also Sailor Jupiter. The block of wood in a blonde wig, who is Minako Aino. And two talking cats. Uh, they have defeated the Dark Kingdom, but are now facing the threat of the Black Moon Clan, a bunch of villains from the future who are trying to take over the future by destroying the past, which is our present, mostly by taking over jewelry stores and ice cream shops. That part of the plan is a little weird, but uh, they are also hunting down uh, someone they call Rabbit, someone we know as Chibiusa, who is secretly uh, Usagi and her boyfriend Memoru's daughter from the future. Whoa, 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 where are you getting that information? Oh, I'm sorry, did we not know that yet? (laughs) No, not till this very episode. Someone's making shit up. <laughs> well, you're just like, I didn't get to the part about her age. But yeah, yeah, this this is where we're going to be finding a lot of that out. But first, we have a dream sequence. Uh, man, you're just like Mr. Spoiler today. <laughs> you're not letting yeah, any episode work its magic. It's almost like I've been waiting for like a week and a half to talk about this. <laughs> but and, and struggling through a bunch of multiple internet issues. I don't know what you're talking about, but it's true. We start with a dream sequence in which our heroine, Usagi, is dreaming about marrying the perfect man, Mororu Chiba flawless individual that he is i'm gonna stop you right there oh really why uh everything you just said is wrong she's not our heroine yusagi no no but after that after that hmm. she's dreaming about that, that part is true so i'm it sounds like everything i said was right i don't know what you're talking about you guys are missing the really important context here and that's the very first shot we get in this episode Yes. before we see her marriage and that is this beautiful stained glass bunny in this tree. <laughs> Stained glass bunny might be a good name for this episode, but yes, we we fade in from soft focus on a rose window with a rabbit in it, with a really screwed up leg, <laughs> yeah, with a really like terrifying like Byzantine monk art leg. It's really weird. We are in a we are in a one hundred percent Christian church, which I find interesting. There is a giant golden cross. With sun rays coming off of it. But it's not Catholic because there's no Jesus on it. There's no Jesus on it. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you who else isn't there. We, we got we got Jesus, didn't make it to the guest list. <laughs> <laughs> the Sailor Scouts no. also did not make it to the guest list. Usagi's best friends. Yeah, she's dreaming about a future where she has all different friends. And family, because yeah. I don't see her family there either from either generation. <laughs> yeah, right. 
<laughs> well, they wouldn't approve. <laughs> <laughs> she is getting married to 40-year-old businessman, Memory Chiba. Wait, and... wait, hold on. Lisa, you're on my side, right? You like him, right? I do. I very much do. I mean, anime See? him, slightly less than manga him, but I am on the <laughs> side of Memory Unisagi. Yeah. I'm not alone for once. What, what age would you put him at, Lisa? Are you asking me to talk in canon, or are you asking me to go by your, your measurement level? I'm asking you if you only, if you had to guess based on this show, what age would you put him at? Because I don't know if I know they say it in Crystal. I know it's it's stated in the manga. I don't know if it's ever actually stated in in the anime, or and if it is, it was a long time ago and I've forgotten about it. So he means he means seriously, not by calling him a 45 year old. He means like seriously. So Lisa, how how old? Just based on the. On the events of the anime, would you say Mamoru Chiba is? Okay, I will admit, based on the events of the anime, I would put him at an age that is certainly not legal to be with Usagi. Yeah, but like, how illegal? How illegal? I would probably. I don't think we need like, to get into that. <laughs> I don't think that is something we need to discuss. Well, no. if you look, if you look at it as like you know um, North America, it would be anything. There's either illegal or not. I'd say he's mid twenties, though. Oh, Jesus! Someone just told me the other day that the age of consent in Japan is fourteen. No, no, no. Um, And hey, this came from a very reputable source. And if that's true, Usagi is fourteen. But But I have had to, I have had to tell people to stop emailing us and (laughs) tweeting at us about the age of consent in Japan because look, that doesn't make me feel good that you're doing that. That doesn't make. This is not justifying it. This is explaining to you to answer your question. But as for Mamoru's age, I don't know, like 25. I, I, wow. I really think he's just like 18 or 19. I don't, I do not think he's 25. Well, I look at the, the, that condo, which is a huge condo, um, <laughs> even by our standards and the, and like a motorcycle. And doesn't he pull up in a car at one point? Yeah, but like he that's his, a car. That's his sweet dead parents' insurance money. I guess. So maybe he just, what, he just turned 18 and he just got the payout. And the first thing yeah. he did was go buy a sweet ride. Yeah. Okay. See, I can get behind that logic. I, I don't. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, he's All like, right, so he's anyway, like, basically, he's memory. like the Bruce Wayne of this show. No, you Says, take it back. You take it. You take it back right now, or I am stopping the recording and I am walking. <laughs> all right, all right. But I mean, it's okay. also the it's also the art style too. I mean, if you look at the boys in the background of like Usagi School, like they Memory looks so much older than them. So yeah, Memory <laughs> looks at least ten years older than than uh, uh, Melvin, much the way Bruce Wayne does. No, Jordan, I swear <laughs> to God. So they're getting married, and uh, after the ceremony, they're showered in rice and also in champagne. Yep, they pop the corks. so cold and wet, and uh, that's when Usagi realizes that she is dreaming, but that cold, wet feeling is part of the real world. And, oh boy, this, this, <laughs> this is where this episode takes a turn. Now, now Jordan... <laughs> Yes. Do you want to explain what your favorite character on the show does now? Um, Luna makes some great faces. No, no, your other favorite character. Sailor Moon wakes up from a dream. You already explained. No, your other favorite, your new favorite character, the one that you said that you didn't used to like to the point where you made a webpage about how much you hated her, and now you're making a podcast about how much you love her. No, I'm making a podcast about loving to hate her. No, I don't think that's what it is that at all. Is, anyway. That is what it is. But... All right. Yes, I'll tell you what she does. Um, Usagi rolls around in this bed and wakes up. And actually, again, you're spoiling it. You're spoiling all the the mystery. You ruined ruined the tension of the moment. (laughs) Listen, listen, 
There's been a lot of tension in this podcast that people have not heard. <laughs> because we, okay, yeah, we let, paused let after me, the Bruce Wayne thing. Let me explain to the listeners what happened in context of the show. Usagi sure. has just wet the bed. Okay, people? Yes. That is what is happening right now. And Luna and Usagi are bearing witness to this. <laughs> and Luna is so chuffed. <laughs> By this knowledge, Luna is just Luna like is barely keeping it together. Yes, Luna is. Her eyes are bugging out, and she is. But it's like a. It's like a. It's half shock and half like I'm gonna laugh at you so hard. And the look on Usagi's face, like she doesn't look that terrified when she was staring down Queen Beryl. Like she is no. petrified. <laughs> her little and her, her pupils, her giant anime pupils have become tiny little anime pupils. It's it's hilarious. And the thing that I wrote in my notes is uh, Luna is pretty goddamn judgmental for someone who poops magic wands. <laughs> In a sandbox, probably. Like you're just, you know, she's just backflipping and leaving things all over the place. Transformation <laughs> pens, communicators, but they computers. always come out clean. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, but like, I would, I would give that one of those things a thorough Purell wipe uh, before I touched it. But anyway, yes, like Luna, Luna is literally like, like, did you wet the bed? Oh my god, Remind- that's so embarrassing. Reminding her how old she is. She's like, you do remember how old you are, right? Yeah, she's 14 years old. She's a cancer, her blood type O, and she also fights crime as uh, Sailor Moon, the guardian of love and justice. Wait, it seems like I did that before. But then Usagi takes off the blanket the rest of the way off the bed and curled up further down the bed is a pea-soaked Chibi Yusa blissfully sleeping away, not hearing this this uh, yelling, uh, who actually snuck into the bed and peed all over everything. Yeah, and I am not at all. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> you say pee all over everything you make it sound like it was just like an explosion <laughs> like, it's a very concentrated area which the camera pans in to show us very very distinctly <laughs> but yes oh, the, there's a zoom in there's a zoom in on the wet pajamas and like and like speed lines like action lines are added in like oh shit well not shit okay actually <laughs> <laughs> well, to make it clear that she did, in fact, it was Chibiusa who had the bed, and she's not lying in Usagi's dampness. So that was cleared up, and yep. then there, I think that was the. There's the a lot end. of hesitant pauses when it comes to discussing this scene. <laughs> it's a, it's a very well. At any rate, th- it that's was the a bed scene. Was the scene in the in the original dub? Did they keep? The- no, in the original dub, uh, she just she has the the dream, and she wakes up. And um, she uh, she just wakes up from the dream and 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 is upset that that she's in the bed uh, that uh, Chibi's in the bed. There's no pee situation. There's no Luna freaking out. She just wakes up, finds her in the bed. They they cut. They have to cut the footage very specifically so you don't see any pee because again, there's a lot of pee drawn in here. But they cut it so you don't see any of it, and it's just Usagi freaking out, going, "Get out of my bed!" Or no, I, do I, they Usagi still keep the like the the champagne bottles and everything? They did. I do remember seeing the champagne bottles. Yeah, which is weird. And no yeah, line, no but... lines put in there about being sprayed with juice or something wholesome <laughs> and no juice. Presumably, it's seltzer water. I guess no line about where where Usagi is like, "Oh, I can't believe I'm 21 years old and getting married." <laughs> no, and drinking responsibly. No, no, nothing about that. 
nothing about that. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, yes, it was Chibiusa who has crawled into Usagi's bed at night and uh, and and wet the bed. And like we are going to get into this later in the episode. I think Usagi, all of Usagi's anger is valid at this point. <laughs> I think she is right to be upset. Chibiusa should be should be extremely apologetic in a way that she is not going to be. Which makes me think you missed the point of the scene. Oh, have I? Yes. Have well, I? Well, let's let's get there when when we get there in a, a scene or two. Because next, we do not cut to the ramifications of pee bed. We cut to. The well, I wanted to say Negaverse. No, well, this is the Black Moon Clan headquarters, BMCHQ. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I think according to the Deke dub, everybody who's bad is part of the Negaverse. Yeah, <laughs> so why not? They're all mega trash. <laughs> I love that insult. I really need to bring that back into everyday use. Hell Agreed. yeah! Agreed. It's for a wizard. Remember, remember, mega trash is bad. Trash piles are good. Ah. Oh. And dweezils fall somewhere in between. <laughs> oh, no, Lisa, you are Canadian, right? Yes. Did you did you ever look like we what part of Canada did you are, are you from? Nova Scotia. So almost as far east Canada as you can get. I, I am trying to map this out to figure out if dweezil was ever used in actual conversation. And if so, where? I have never heard dweezil. I have heard a variety of other words from my childhood that could be combined to make dweezil, such as skis, dweeb, weasel. Those are all very common insults when I was young. I can't say I ever heard someone say dweezil, but they're a creative bunch in Sailor Moon, I guess. <laughs> I've <laughs> never heard them together. skis in real life before. That's interesting. I've, I've heard skis, but only in the context of like... I think I read it in comics. I think Jubilee might have said it once or oh, twice. Sure. Yeah, I heard skis a lot here whenever it was skis. Whenever you know, girls, we were talking about boys doing something gross. It's like, oh, he's such a skis. Like, that would be a thing. Oh, oh the, the word we would use for that was Darian. Oh, you're such a lying liar. Not when you were I young, know. based on this dub. So we cut to uh, we cut to Black Moon Clan headquarters, a.k.a. possibly the Negaverse. And who do we see? The wise man. That's right. Wise man is in the house. And Jordan, what's he doing? He's working the ball. He's working the ball. He's swirling that energy. He's keeping it going. That's how you know he's evil, because he's wearing purple. And swirling some dark energy in a crystal ball. That is, the, that is the two things evil people do. I have a theory that when they're doing that, at least when Queen Barrel was doing it, that's how you knew she was uh, communicating whatever people were saying to uh, her boss. That's how I was looking at Metalia? it. Yeah. Every time she was doing that, she was like, it was like the record button to Queen Metalia. So is, is Queen Barrel like basically just a, like a stenographer <laughs> for the Negaverse? <laughs> Maybe like a Negaverse secretary, like the line of defense between the workers and the boss. Assistant to Queen Metalia. Yeah. Not assistant queen, but assistant to the queen. Uh, exactly. Dark Kingdom Office is going to happen one of these days. So Wise Man is checking in with Rubius. And, and he's like, Rubius is an idiot. Rubius is a huge idiot. Did you know that? It's, are you just saying that because he's not he doesn't have his coat draped over his shoulder looking awesome like he normally does oh, <laughs> i wish i wish he was pulling that move no what we have in, what, what happens in this is that this is a it basically a cross time phone call 
Uh, Wise Man is phoning in from Crystal Tokyo, which is in the future, calling back to Rubius to see uh, how things are going in the past. And Rubius is like, so uh, how's it going in the future? I know we have completely failed to disrupt three or four crystal points at this point, but, you know, things are things going well, even though we're failing to do the one thing we were sent back to do? Is everything going cool? And Wise Man tells him, like, yeah, we're having a real hard time getting into Crystal Tokyo because there are these four Sailor Guardians that are c- causing us no end of trouble hmm. by standing back-to-back around a pillar and producing energy to shield Crystal Tokyo. Now, hmm. we see the four Guardians of Crystal Tokyo, so we know who they are. It's uh, Sailors, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter. My question is, does Rubius know what they look like? Because the thing that Rubius says is, I wonder if the Guardians of Crystal Tokyo are related to the Sailor Guardians that we keep running into that keep foiling our plans to take over Crystal Points. Nah, coincidence. Yeah, I, th- I know. I think he can't see them. I think he just, he, we're, they're showing it for our benefit so that we start getting clued into who everybody is. But, I mean, he must not see them. Well, I think he should put it together. Well, he does. He says perhaps they have a connection. <laughs> also, okay, I, I, I just like noticed something. What's that? Lisa? In the anime, Rubius doesn't have his camo print pants. Oh, he has camo print? In in the manga, he has camo print on his pants, adding to his coolness. And I'm seeing him... Right, because that is cool. I'm seeing him standing here, and I just see plain one-color pants, and now I'm kind of upset. What a loss of a character feature. You can, like, tell where his legs are. They're not camouflaged. Yeah, that's just weird. Do you, really need, voice of mystique. do you really need camouflage print when you're wandering around a black void and exiting <laughs> through mirrors? I don't know. And that's my random off-topic thing, because I'm standing here staring at him. So. so so, here's my question about Crystal Tokyo. Let's hear it. We don't know this yet in the show, but we know this as people who have watched the show before and people who can, you know, have now seen that the Sailor Guardians are active in the future. Like, everybody knows who Neo Queen Serenity is, right? Like, they know Queen Serenity and and Prince Mamoru Chiba, King Mamoru Chiba. Like, is he, is he, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Is he, is he, is he a, is he a prince still? Is he a king? Is he a, a what are the, a, a consort to the queen? <laughs> who actually prince rules, consort. him or her, her? Queen Serenity and Prince Consort Mamoru Chiba. Like, people know them. And presumably they would know the Sailor Scouts. Like, they are the, they are the, immortal goddesses who rule over their their world right so do they know like oh yeah you know a thousand years ago they were the sailor scouts like do they know that uh, who remembers a thousand years ago even if you were alive that long in fact especially if you were alive that long you'd be like i can't remember two days ago let alone a thousand years ago you can't remember two days ago jordan well <laughs> that was an exaggeration jordan, i think you might need to see a doctor <laughs> I'm really worried about slight exaggeration. Okay. Okay. Anyway, like you would think they would have more Intel. You'd think they'd be like, Oh, Hey, go back to the past and find queen serenity and stab her. Like, you know, throw her in front of a bus. Well, I think it's safe to say if they knew that that would be their plan and not going after Chibusa. So obviously they're missing some, some very important information here that would make this plan way more straightforward. And they get her name wrong. Her name is not actually rabbit. Her name is Usagi, which means rabbit. Right. But again, that that's not her name. Like they're they're using the wrong word. Like they don't their their intel is not that good. Is what I'm saying. That's that would fair. be like calling my like being like we're after the, the 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 river and it's like no, it's Jordan. Like I'm named after a river, I guess, but like that <laughs> don't call me river. That I'm not sure that's 
the etymology of the name Jordan. It means something. It's a biblical name, as in it was the name of a river in the Bible. So there you go. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> what? Were you giving me shit about my name now? What the fuck? What, where does it mean? I'll look it up. I'll look up what the name is. All right, let's do it. Means. Let's do this. Let's do this right now. Look up what your name means. Oh, Jordan. Okay. Well, in this show, let's give them some credit. If they're looking up names, they do go by different names in the future. At least Usagi and Mamoru do. So if they came back and they actually thought to look in the phone book for Serenity or Neoqueen Serenity or Prince or King <laughs> and Dimion, they probably wouldn't find them. I would assume. So, you know, there's there's one thing. I doubt the right. sailor soldiers are listed in the phone book under that either. Uh, here's what it says. From the name of the river which flows between the countries of Jordan and Israel, the river's name in Hebrew is something, which then it says in brackets, Yarden, and is derived from uh, this meaning descend or flow down. So Okay, so so they would say we're, the we're, the looking, we're looking for the river. Looking and for I, a river. <laughs> right. We're looking for river. That would be cool, like, though. My name isn't... Well, they, but nobody would go, oh, they mean Jordan. And then you would run outside and cry. <laughs> when they created a thunderstorm. All right. Fair enough. So, wise man hands down some orders. Uh, tells Rubius to get his shit together so that, uh, that they can get their job done. So he calls the four Spectre sisters. So we are heading towards a reckoning, everybody. Because yeah, he tells him, yeah, we, I don't think we mentioned. He tells him, uh, the rabbit's going to be at an overpass, just so you know. Yeah, uh, an overpass I, in a city. Some overpass. Yeah, so they know they know that there's an overpass involved. They don't know how to find Neoqueen Serenity, who incidentally just looks exactly like Sailor Moon. But we've had that discussion for 68 episodes now. So, so from there, we cut back to the Sukino household. Yes. Where Yusagi is beating her wet mattress outside, and Sammy has his hands behind his neck like a weirdo and is making fun of her. Yeah. Now, this is a pose we have discussed before. It's cool. It is, it's Shingo's signature pose, <laughs> where he just puts his arms behind his head, elbows pointed straight up, and... Like, he will do this while he is leaning against a window, which is what he's doing now. He'll do it while he's just standing up. Like, it's just a cool thing to do with your hands. It's not cool. And it's also not supportive. Like, it's not, it doesn't, it's not practical in any way. I mean, it's a good stretch. I guess. No, you're right. That's true. But I don't think he's stretching. He's not like, ah, there we go. He just, like, stands there. Okay, now, Jordan, let me ask you a question. Yes, please. (laughs) You are you are clearly a podcaster. You are a, a ukulelist. What is, the, what is the word for someone who plays a ukulele? Let's just say besides a dork. Oh wow, you're just you're just uh, attacking me today. Listen, listen, I'm in a little bit of a hostile mood because of behind the scenes stuff about recording this podcast and how frustrating it was. We will talk about that later. No, like, <laughs> are you one of those people? And Lisa, this is a good question for you as well. Are you one of those people who has trouble with public speaking? at all i don't not yeah not really no i won't i don't do I mean, it often but i like it when i do i mean i pres- I, I didn't think you would be since you volunteered to be on a podcast talking about sailor moon but I, I feel like a lot of people who have trouble public speaking they don't know what to do with their hands like you know <laughs> i know that i am a big gesture person like i have been criticized for that like whenever i did interviews at san diego like people would totally rag on me and rightfully so because i make these big broad gestures while i'm trying to think of things i'm I'm very much a hand talker sure and i feel like if you're the kind of person who doesn't know what to do with your hands when you're speaking in public just just do a shingo just shingo it up sammy it up y'all just Uh. put them hands 
in the center of your back, elbows pointed straight up, and just like close your eyes and talk. But sometimes <laughs> he stands and he like kind of crosses his legs at the same time a little bit, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, I, I I tried it. I'll admit I can't stand up straight. There's no balance. His pose is terrible for balance. <laughs> That's true. Shingo <laughs> is trying so hard to be cool, and he has no idea what cool is because he's ten years old. You know, Sailor Moon is cool. He said that, so he's got some semblance of taste. You know, Sailor Moon is cool. Usagi is not cool. That's that's his spectrum. Oh, and he's wearing a that's sailor his... shirt right now. I wonder if that's his boy equivalent of Sailor Moon's support in clothing form. Maybe. So he's got a great like. Can we talk? We always talk about the scouts. Can we talk about Shingo's look oh, for a minute here? God. Only like, if you white t-shirt it. with a white t-shirt with a teal anchor on it. Super like super tiny teal shorts, and then like crew socks <laughs> up to the calves, pulled up with sandals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's 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 a look. I think you should try it. I'm going to look up Shingo cosplay real quick. <laughs> how, would, how would you ever know? <laughs> if he's in that exact outfit, I guess we would know. Apparently there is someone in King of Fighters named Shingo, and oh. that's who everyone is cosplaying yeah, as. The they are not cosplaying a Sailor Moon. Add Sailor Moon to it. Add Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon Shingo cosplay. Sailor Moon Shingo cosplay. Nope, it's just a bunch of pictures from the, <laughs> from the show. The, the picture of what we are exactly talking about is right there in the second row. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You can get it, it from this episode, in fact. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the moment of him leaning back and her yelling at him, which is about to happen. So what happens is he's standing there watching her beating the, the pee out of her mattress and go and he's making fun of her. He's saying she peed her bed and she's like, I didn't pay the bed. It was the it was the tiny baby who's crawling around our house and he's like oh yeah blame it on a kid which yeah blame it on the kid the kid is the most likely person that what like what yes it was the kid what are you talking about but whatever he's a he's a brother so that's when chibi walks out and there is a long look shared between chibi and regular size Yusa. and again i feel like if you are a child no and you wet the bed totes understandable you're right. a kid. It happens. That's just a thing. Right. If you were a child and you pull a troll too, and you wet someone else's bed <laughs> while they are in it, yeah. then that like you need to apologize. I feel like that. Like I feel like it's weird that you won't agree with me on that. She's embarrassed. I mean, I guess and maybe an, she did. I mean, this does cut quite a bit later. We assume a little while later because Isagi's dressed and she's outside and the sun is up. Well, no, I mean, here's what I here's what I think happened. Here's my headcanon for what happened in between is probably Isagi, we know, canonically spazzed out and started screaming. More than likely, Chibiusa, woken by screaming, immediately started crying and yelling about how mean Isagi was. I mean, let's let's be real. That's probably what she did. I'm assuming she probably just ran out of the room. Yeah. Leaving Usagi with the evidence and no suspect for when her she, parents probably came in. And then she burned her uh, her, her uh, pajamas and, and put on new ones. It's she turned, like, turned the lutepi into a flamethrower and burned her pajamas. Chibi Usa needs to apologize. That's that's what I'm that's all I'm saying. I'm saying Chibi Usa owes Usagi an apology. You know, of, re- realistically, especially with the attitude they gave Chibiosa in the original dub, which I do feel is a little harsher than the original, <laughs> it almost seems like a godsend that she didn't try to blame it on Usagi. Like, Usagi starts screaming, her parents run in, and Chibiosa goes, I can't believe you wet the bed, Serena. Like, that just yeah, sounds that, like something she would have done. It does, it does. And and what bugs me is that, like, is that, like, Luna 
even. Luna, who was ready to drag Usagi's ass for wetting the bed, is just like, just like you're way too mean to Chibiusa. Like you're being way, you're being a jerk right now, and she is not. She is not at all. Probably lonely, Chris. That's why she's oh, not she the bed. Lonely. Yeah. Like that's why she that's why she threw bricks at at passing cars from an overpass. She was just lonely. <laughs> that's all. She's a victim. <laughs> you guys are you guys are half getting the point. You're sarcastically getting the point of that scene. <laughs> no, I understand. I mean, listen, I don't want to get peed on in my bed. Like this is a thing that I would be very unhappy about as well. That said, she's a kid and she's an, I mean, listen, kids are dumb. Kids are idiots. They don't know how to do anything. <laughs> they, they make mistakes a lot. It's fine. Look, I'm not saying Usagi shouldn't forgive her. I'm saying bare men's. We need an apology. <laughs> Though that's I will all. say that that's probably my favorite scene in the whole episode is this long pause, this exchange that happens when Chibiusa comes out of the house. I think it's brilliant. But here, but here's a full. It is a full like six to ten seconds. Let's say one, two, three, four. Five. It's a full five-second pause of the two of them just looking at each other Still before Chibiusa runs off. Now, I will almost agree with you because here's here's the thing I, I will say about this. First of all, like, I don't, why is it, I don't get, I, I still don't get the whole concept of their relationship with Chibiusa. Um, which started oh, not to get Jordan. It's so simple. Right, right. Because, because I don't understand. They don't know as of this moment as of this part of this episode, where she's from and why she's here. All they know is this girl showed up and said, give me the crystal, pulled a gun and tried to steal her boyfriend and moved in with her, with her uh, by brainwashing everyone involved. Drugged Ray's grandpa. <laughs> brainwashed well, everyone. Well, how do you know she has I, still like brainwashing Usagi, but Usagi is just strong enough that she gets frustrated because she knows something's not right, but she's, well, brainwashed, enough, she's brainwashed enough to, to let her live there in her house. Has a magic uh, floating cat robot that no one in the Japanese version comments on at all. Well, no, listen, uh, that is entirely possible that we should believe that she's still uh, still hypnotizing them. But the part that I still the other part I don't get is not just why does she accept her? Because I that is weird. But also, why does she I don't want to say just why does she protect her? Because, yes, like if a child is standing in the way of a of a car or something, you pull the kid out of the way. But I mean, in the sense that, like, they're concerned. What Luna specifically says is like she might release that energy and like draw in the bad guys again. And it's like. Oh yeah. Like, are you guys not going to think about that shit? <laughs> like, are you guys not going to go, why do bad guys want her? Like, why are monsters after her? Like, what is the deal here? I can understand them being brainwashed into being like, yeah, she can live here. But like, those are huge questions that they're not asking. And, and Luna is going, she's your responsibility to Usagi. And I'm like, why is she Usagi's responsibility? She's not her kid. As far as we know. <laughs> so like, why is, why does she act like that? I would not send a child back. Like, like I would not trust myself from like a year ago to watch a child. <laughs> like, I, let alone when I was fourteen. <sighs> what if it was a nine hundred year old though? Uh no, no. Yeah, that no. is that is my big note here. Is if she is nine hundred, fuck off. Because I did, I did write that down. I wrote the thing that I wrote uh, was Chibi's on that Dick Cheney shit, <laughs> which is that she does something that I think she needs to apologize for, and then Usagi is going to end up apologizing to her. 
Yeah, and then crazy. I wrote right next to that 905 with three exclamation points. Yeah, because if you you're 900 and you're peeing in people's beds, like that's you're a jerk. Although on the on the other hand, like if you are 900 and you still have like the 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 bladder control of a five year old, then what a night! Like and that has been your existence for 900 years. Like what a hellish nightmare. That's true. And All I think right. that that's in part the point I think of why they throw in that line of dialogue in the manga to say she's 905 or eight is to be like she is stuck at the same physical and mental capabilities of someone that age for 900 years. Like that's not yeah. right. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe in that. I don't. I don't truck with that. It's not sensible. All right. So Chibiusa runs off, and she ends up going to this pedestrian overpass, which has been foreshadowed. <gasps> uh, and we get this flashback. This this sort of storybook like flashback. It's actually a really cool animation effect. I like it a lot. Like everything's kind of pastel and kind of crayony, but not in a way where it's like poorly drawn it's just like everything's shaded like with crayons or colored pencils. It's a really cool book. right 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 i just remembered what this is i i kept forgetting we, she, she, she's she gets she gets homesick and nostalgic for the last time she peed in the bed or right, possibly the, the time first she time she peed in the bed probably when when someone did not judge her and 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 instead comforted her right. as we you know, know why because that's her bed well i don't know are you it's sure it's also a pretty crazy big bed for someone who's like smaller than the pillow right that's what i was gonna I mean, say yeah. this might not be her bed it's huge it is a it is a giant massive bed but also you know when you are the empress of the moon and earth and all of the outlying planets then you your kid can have a giant bed because that's what happens uh baby chibi uh, in the flashback, has just went to bed, and Baby her mom comes in and is very. Well, I can't say chibi chibi because that's getting into some other shit. I know, <laughs> but uh, her mom comes in is very comforting, and her mom, oddly enough, is wearing Queen Serenity's outfit. Hmm, that's weird. It's, so it's she, a fashion of the future. Yeah, yeah, it's just a thing everybody wears. Now we don't see we don't see her face. We do see a suggestion of her hair, and we see her dress, which is the very distinct uh, Queen Serenity slash Princess Serenity dress from from before. And she's got wings. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so, sure. you know, there's that. And she apparently doesn't mind when her moon child uh, what's the bed at all. Because it's her bed, and that is acceptable. We don't know that it's her bed. We have no reason to, like... like it's enormous! It's enormous, but like there's nobody else in it. Yeah, yeah, one of my she things, is alone in that bed. One of the things that always makes me sad about the series is we never get to see any real shots of uh, Usagi raising Chibiusa, like in the future, because I'm trying to think of Usagi as she is now, growing up to be a parent, and I can't imagine her having a kid who doesn't have a room that's like obnoxiously themed, like a bunny-shaped bed and weird dolls everywhere and stuffed animals so that bed i'm gonna say is usagi's bed the mom's bed because it is too tame for a child's bed you don't think usagi's gonna have that bed like for herself like if we saw if we saw well her and and mamaru might have to come to some agreements right like we're not sleeping in a giant bunny shaped bed if you go by the deke version every time serena becomes princessy she becomes boring remember she becomes like oh hello i am queen serenity yes chibi you so i will raise you now like it's she would not she's not she's not cool when she's a queen wow yeah wow, i don't Jordan, think it i don't so think weird, you, you, 
I don't think at any point in the anime you really get to see uh, Neo Queen Serenity or Princess Serenity really act kind of like Usagi. In the manga, you sort of do. I will say that. At least little, like, it, tiny moments. It's so weird that you equate a woman getting power with her becoming less cool, Jordan. That's super weird. <laughs> anyway. No, I so, equate a woman becoming boring when she gets power with that. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so, so used to wet the bed in the past, and it was okay. And so, now it is not okay because she wet someone else's bed while they were in it. And probably got flung halfway across the room. Past, future, but it's like the future and the past at the same time, guys. This is kind of mind-blowing. Is it? Yes. Usagi, so Chibi Yusa decides, I want to go back to the future, like a, you know, movie. And she holds up her magic key. Like Terminator. She wants to go back to the future like the Terminator does. No, Terminator doesn't want to go back. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, she holds up her key, and just like last time we saw it, it opens a portal in the sky. Uh, gravity stops working for some reason. This is a... By the way, that's a weird way to set up time travel, that it always happens up in the air above you a bunch, and you have to float up with no gravity, but whatever. It looks kind of cool, I guess. It's It's for the visual, for anyone watching and being like, wow, that was cool. She starts doing this. She goes up in the air, maybe 10, 15 feet. It's got <laughs> it's. I'm it's looking at it right now. I'm stopped on it. It's got to be 10 feet. Yeah, she, she's, she's a lot of her up there. Yeah, she's up like 10 feet and then it shuts off and she falls on her face. Let's see. Yeah, it looks like no on her back. She lands flat on her back, breaks her back. And uh, dies, and that's the end of the show. It's so weird that that's how the show is. No, but she falls like a super long way. It's true. <laughs> and, and hilariously enough, the Luna P, which can float, also falls. <laughs> sympathy falls. This is sympathy uh, fall. Yeah, I didn't even notice that, but you're right. What happens after this fall is she starts crying, logically. Which is, which is fair. Right. Um, like she's lucky she still has that ability after falling that far. Yeah, listen, I'll give her that one. That's that's totally legit. And uh, this, if you remember, causes her to shoot out a beam of energy, which the Deke Dub calls a moonbeam. And I was like, oh, good on you. That's smart. I really love right, the way so, that they do these color effects when this happens. Like everything goes like a psychedelic, really cool. like pink and purple. And then she's got this giant, like speed liney gold coming off her. It looks really actually kind of intimidating. Yeah. So Luna sees this uh, because they've been looking for Chibiusa, but uh, more importantly, two of the Spectre sisters see it, and we get the return of uh, Sexy Elsa and Catface Mammers, aka Bertie and Catsy, aka Bertier and uh, Cohen. It's true. Bertie's down at the bottom of the stairs, Catsy's up at the top, and they start slowly walking towards her, arguing over who will kill her. And there is nobody else here as usual. This is a deserted overpass. Oh, oh yeah. Well, look, who's going to be using a pedestrian bridge in Tokyo? Right. <laughs> in broad it's daylight. A, this is crazy. In broad daylight, in the middle of the day. That's not a, a busy city at all, they right? Even, they, even, no. they even pan out, and you can see, like, some of the street and, like, a parkade and windows, and there's nobody. There are no signs of life. Tokyo the ghost city, right? Because there's very few people there. Yeah, it's like, it's basically abandoned. Well, then again, after the events of season one, if I was in Juban District, I'd probably <laughs> be looking for a way out. <laughs> everybody's like, everybody's moving to a place where comas are not a weekly thing. Where faces don't show up in the sky and threaten to burn you. And that was only 10 weeks in. So this is a really super intense scene, and I love it because it's like Chibi's alone and isolated, and Chibi's already like upset, and she already wants to go home, and she's she can't go home. And then these two just 
evil, evil people show up and they start having this very casual argument over who is going to be the first of them to murder this infant. <laughs> and then it suddenly turns into a Looney Tunes cartoon because they start pratfalling everywhere. Like, uh, I think it's Cohen is slowly walking down the stairs being like, if I get to her first, I'm going to kill her. And then she just steps on the Lunapy, which rolls no, under no, her no. feet. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's Bertie. Bertier, the sexy Elsa. And she just, like, steps on the Lunapy. Her feet go out from under her. She falls down the stairs. Like, she just rolls onto a stair face down and then gets trod upon by Chibiusa. And then Katsy gets the Lunapy, like, in the face, right? Or no, that happens to Birdie, too. I'll say, I will love the way that Chibiusa runs down the stairs, like ninja style, like when they put yes. their arms out right behind them, which I don't understand how that works for balance, but okay. And then, like, and she looks intense. Like, her face is shaded over. She's like, I'm going to step the hell out of this girl's back. And she just stomps on her spine and keeps going. And it's yeah. the Lunapee comes straight at Katzi's face, and then Katzi backhands Lunapee, and they make it a really dramatic moment as if it were alive, which I thought was kind yeah. of funny. There's like, there's like red blood slashes when she slaps it, too. <laughs> and then the real and Luna gets her in the face. The real Luna attacks her. And you know, we've talked about these scenes where Luna attacks the monsters before, and it's always kind of badass. <laughs> but like, and here it is, too. But also, Katsy does this huge pratfall, like feet straight up in the air. Like the ground shakes when she falls down. And then Bernie shows up and like tosses a quip at her, like, serves you right for trying to steal my my infant kill. And then Bernie gets the Lunapy in the back of the head. And again, face down, legs straight up, ground shaking, Looney Tunes pratfalls. I love it. I love it so much. And then in contrast, the very next scene after that is not funny. Right, yeah. Then you find out Luna got the shit beat out of her. Like, you see her body flung against this fence. You see her body flung against this fence, and then you see her, like, on the ground, and she's all, like, fucked up. She's got, like, you know, blood on her, which is kind of a shocking thing to see blood on one of the characters. But you also see, like, in between those two scenes, you see uh, Cohen and Bertie are, like, just rapid-fire powdering their faces because their makeup has been smudged. So it's this weird then, blend of pure slapstick and like serious action stakes. And then appropriately. Right after we see poor Luna pass out from her injuries. <laughs> yeah. Appropriate, of course. That is our act break. Yes, yes. And then we get to the dumb Sailor Scouts. Okay. Because here's why I think they're dumb. Did you guys, they're all sitting there going, where's Usagi? She probably overslept. And I'm going, did you guys not see the giant laser in the sky? Well, it could be behind them. They're all facing generally the same direction. Uh, I guess. It seems like a pretty big thing for them all to miss, but they all missed it. They are also on a very big deserted street, I will note. Yep. And they're close enough for injured Luna, who is like very shakily walking, close enough for her to get to them within like a few seconds, like a minute or two at most. Yeah, it hasn't been long. She's limped her way over to them. So they go off running, and they leave Luna on the street in the care of Artemis, and Artemis starts licking Luna's wounds, (laughs) which is fine if they are cats, not fine if they are people. They're cats. They're cats, and even if they're not cats, they're cats. I do not want, I do not want sentient creatures licking my wounds. I'll just just say that straight up. They have cleaning tongues. That's not real. No, it is. Actually, that's real. No, the, the, the cats are gross. Cats that's really all. do lick wounds because they, they really do clean with their tongues. They have little, like, sandpaper tongues. 
Yeah, but cats are cats are gross. No, nope, cats, cats are, are best. gross. Best. No, I, I have to second with the cats are gross, but oh, but I like thank Luna, you. But Luna and Artemis are okay because they're not actual cats I have to deal with in person. I can enjoy them from afar in the TV because they're great. Cats are the best. So Chibiusa so, runs off and, and ends up get... crawling into a construction site. Yes. Okay. No. Two things about this. First of all, the giant. It's like every episode of Sailor Moon has at least twenty-seven uh, huge coincidences, and this one is that she just Yusagi just happens to be walking by where right at the moment when she climbs into a construction site, and it's just very random and weird. But the also, fact that there's a hole that she crawls right. into is weird. It's like a person-sized mouse hole for her yeah. to just climb into this fence. This well, very you know solid what's... fence. Like it's there, you can't see through it. It looks like a wood fence, like a wall with a very you know chibiusa uh, sized hole. Yes. You know what's not a coincidence though, is what? that there are no construction workers at this construction site. Again, in the middle of the day. We don't, there's broad not, daylight. Nobody not working. An extra in this episode, is there? I don't like not since I, I guess they blew their extras budget. <laughs> they, the they hired all the extras they needed on the wedding scene. Oh right, there were extras. Because that's how it works, scene, yeah. right? They just have to hire people to right, like right. stand in the back of cartoons. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> I'm gonna say that Chibiusa probably made that hole herself with the Luna P. Some she sort of like turned it into a brought, hole. Or she brought up the flamethrower that was oh, okay, referenced yeah. earlier um, for destroying the evidence and used it to burn a hole in this wall. But I guess <laughs> the, there's some kid logic there. You know, if I make this tiny hole, the bad guys won't think I went in here because there's no actual door. Unless you're where Usagi is, in which case you have conveniently come across Chibiusa and you are right next to the actual entrance. She goes and right. follows her into the hole. And now here's, what's, here's, here's what gets crazy. Chibi is sitting next to a little barrier. Usagi is just hiding behind this barrier and, like, watching her and... um like thinking about her and Usagi's thinking about apologizing and going, Oh man, she's crying. Like, this is so sad. And that's when, uh, Chibi decides to call up, uh, her friend Pooh, uh, who, by the way, I should mention, uh, Pooh now has a different voice in the deep dub. And the first time we, we had a Pooh message, they gave it Luna's voice because it's the Luna ball. Uh, and this time apparently somebody at Deke realized, Oh wait, there's going to be stuff with that later. It's a different character. That is actually a person and <laughs> not just the Luna P talking. So they gave it its own voice. And Pooh is just kind of like, Hey, don't cry. Yeah. And she, yeah. he's like, I can't help it. Like I'm really scared. And I think she, okay. I'm reading the subtitles right now. Cause I was watching yeah. it in the new viz dub, the subtitle when she says poo, but I'm scared. she's like, pull yourself together. It's the first thing she says to her. Yeah. So and, like, and this, this is clearly supposed to be an info dump. And it kind of is for Usagi. Cause Usagi overhears all this stuff about how Chibiusa needs the sailor guardians to protect her. Cause she's not with her mom. But for us as an audience, I do not feel like Pooh is clearing anything up at all. Like the the explanation is very unsatisfying. Well, it's not an explanation. It's more of her just going like, you've got friends. Everything's fine. I mean, and the big shock, the big shock reveal here is the suggestion, the implication that her mother is dead. They don't say it. But she's like, mommy, mommy, look what they did to mommy. Even daddy couldn't stop them. So, like, it seems kind of like, oh, shit, is is her mother dead? And her mother is probably Usagi. So that's not good. Um, but, and it's also a very good reason for Usagi, actual Usagi here, to have more sympathy for her. Be like, okay, if I was her age and my mom was possibly murdered, and then the people who murdered her were chasing me, I might be a bit of a dick to some people, too, and not trust yeah, people. I 
If that happened to me, I would probably go urinate on someone. <laughs> I would pee in a bed. You know. You know what? I think that is totally fair. I mean, we assume she did not consciously pee in the bed. <laughs> um, if there was ever a time for a child to have some issues <laughs> with her bladder at night, it would be after the murder of her mother. Yeah. Okay. Look, fair. Uh, so Usagi finds all this stuff out. Now I don't know if does she say explicitly that she is from the future, or does she just reference like Crystal Tokyo and the Guardians? Ah, uh, good question. Does she say like you you had to come back from the past to the past or something? Because that would be a oh yeah. Can I tell you what she says? Uh, she says okay. the guardians who always looked after you in the future capital, which is a, which is a really awkward thing to say. <laughs> a really dumb thing to say because it's the present to her. Well, you know. Pooh exists outside of time. So, <laughs> so Pooh exists at a time where she's like, that's the future. That, that, that doesn't bode well for Crystal Tokyo if Pooh is clearly like, that's the future, because that suggests it must be pretty close to the end. Well, I guess it makes sense for her to say the future because like Pooh does know that the Guardians are protecting her here as well. So she just said, the Guardians always protected you. She, she wants to make it clear she's referring to the future ones, not the ones protecting her now. So, you know. Yeah, all, right, all right. It still seems a little weird to me that yeah that she says calls the future and she tells but she tells her those are the same people that are protecting you here but sure she says something similar to that you should trust sailor moon and the and the sailor guardians right and just then cohen shows up and not just cohen but cohen who is clearly standing by herself uh this will this will be important in a few minutes cohen we see her from multiple angles she is clearly there by herself multiple uh, which is when usagi decides to transform into sailor moon by moving about standing. she moves about two feet to behind some metal girders girders yeah She's like barely around a corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She is like she's like if someone was standing outside of the room where I'm recording this, but I still had the door open. Yeah, it's a little alcove. Yeah. Uh, nobody notices. No. Nobody notices at all. Nobody notices when she stands up. And this is another one of those this. scenes where there's clearly not enough room for her to be spinning like this. Oh yeah. Uh, she stands up from behind her Mass Effect esque waist high cover, and no one sees her. No one notices the yelling. Colors, the light show, none of this. Then she presumably climbs up on top of some girders so that she can pose and talk about how how dare you pick on that girl who came from the future capital all alone. So yes, at this point, Usagi does know she's from the future. Though she doesn't uh, say the future capital because it's Usagi, she might think that's a name. <laughs> it's just the future capital. You get a scene where Chibiosa is holding a very off-model Luna P. It's very, very small. She's holding it in her hand. It looks really small to me. Oh, so I didn't see that. And then... Cohen takes one step back and the rest of the Spectre sisters just slide out from behind her, which is a great, I love it. I love it. If somebody, if somebody could make a, can make a gif of that, of the uh, sliding into your DMs, like the Spectre sisters for me, that would be great. I would appreciate that. And then we get uh, the details of their birth order. (laughs) Very important. And we also find out more importantly that they come from the 10th planet. The Black Moon. Yeah. What? How is the 10th planet a moon? Well, why don't you ask the planet Pluto that right now? That's the ninth planet, and it's also not the ninth planet anymore. Exactly. So the difference between planets and moons and chunks of rock and asteroids is obviously in flux. But they have decided their moon is a planet. But but they're using the same breath to call it a planet and a moon. Uh... Well, maybe they just call it Black Moon like a title. And they don't actually mean it's a moon, just like Future Capital could be a city name and not a capital in the future. 
I'm no Usagi. I'm not falling for that. You're in Queens right now, Jordan. Is it a is it a city or is it a a monarch? Well, that's a real complicated question because it's kind of neither. It's a borough of a city. Rolling my eyes. Anyway, the scouts show up, and we get them uh, introducing themselves as well. Speaking of things that are off model, Ray's head is gigantic. As they're doing their determined walking. Oh yeah, she's got like a yeah. Her she's got too much hair going on there on the top. Like, it's like they're they're going for her to have like you know her hair kind of flowing back, and, but it like just makes her head look massive. And then it's completely different in the next scene. Uh, and we get some really cool poses. Uh, Sailor Venus is a particularly cool one. So now everyone has dramatically introduced themselves one at a time. We get some sweet sweet music. Uh, yeah. just, before that, I just realized, like, they I don't know if it's for mood or what, but it is now sunset. Oh, yeah. So have they been looking for Chibuza this long during the day? Was Usagi cleaning the pee out of the bed mattress? Like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, because when they were waiting for Usagi, they were like, she probably overslept. To like, what, eight o'clock? Yeah, like, this is, a, that's a bit much. I mean, I like, I'll believe maybe it's noon or something. If we, it's a weekend, okay, we, oh, she probably slept till noon. But like, you're right, now it's sunset. What, is, what, what have they been doing? It's dramatically appropriate for it to be sunset. Um, are we going to talk about the, the, the rose that blooms and blows away? Yes. Yeah, it starts the something, music video. Something yes. else that is also dramatically not entirely appropriate. Because, frankly, I see that and I expect Tuxedo Mask to be here. That's true. It's very weird. It's just, it's just on a white screen, a rose just springs into existence and then all the petals blow away. Like, why would you pick yeah. a rose? That's Tuxedo Mask's thing. You don't throw a rose in there willy-nilly. But they did. It's true. And it, it, like you said, it cues a really cool musical number. Yeah, we get a we get a full on music video of Spectre Sisters and Sailor Scouts fighting each other using signature elements, which I think is actually really cool. Like we get uh, Bertier throwing water at Sailor Mercury. It's basically oh, and we also get uh, uh, who is that? Uh, Calaveras using her whip against. Uh, venus's chain it's pretty great like they've researched this before this fight to know who to stand in front of (laughs) yeah it's really awesome and it reminds me of like the kind of videos that you would get in like uh like the intros to a playstation era action game like if you're playing like a a a Mega Man x4 or something like that because there's no dialogue and there's a lot of like kind of static shots of just things moving, uh, you know, the camera moving across a static shot. But it looks really, really cool. I like it a lot. It's, I think of the four, especially the scene with uh, Mercury, when she's dodging the attack, it looks really cool. It's like one of those scenes you're like, that's a movie budget shot right there. It does yeah. look really cool, but I was just about to make fun of it. Because <laughs> because the first thing you see is Katsy and, and Ray like shooting things at each other and it's like, oh, they're clashing in the middle and smashing together. And then the next shot is Bertier taking a shot at Amy and Amy's just like, oh, oh no. And like doesn't fight back at all and just moves out of the way. She dodges dramatically. That's that's a lot for her. So She's calculating in her head. <laughs> sure so she here's is. the question. Please. This is clearly the clash of the ten warriors of the title. Only four. Except that side. there are yeah. five Sailor Scouts and four Spectre sisters. But then Rubia shows up. But then Tuxedo Mask shows up. So it's either it's either nine warriors or eleven warriors. It is not ten. It is never ten. I don't know what to tell you. 
Let's see who doesn't attack. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not counting. They're not counting. <laughs> no, you know what? They're not counting Amy because she hasn't attacked. But she's still. Amy? But she's clashed. That's a clash, right? <laughs> doesn't say attack of the ten warriors. It's clash. Yeah, but she's not a warrior. Is what I'm saying. Warriors attack things. Rubius shows up and starts like throwing these pink and black strobe light marbles. Yeah, uh, yeah, which are like rad as hell. Kirby bubble. And uh, Usagi is dodging while holding uh, Chibiusa. It's very dramatic because she's putting herself in harm's way to to rescue Chibiusa. And we get a, a montage of scenes of Chibiusa being weird. Like they pick the weirdest scenes to highlight because they don't pick her most like adorable or lovable scenes. Like we see her in that scene where she was apparently holding her breath for 20 minutes and then popped out of the, the bathtub like a submarine yeah like yeah, they yeah, put yeah. that in there but yeah but it, put, but it starts with her sad on the swing set so it does start yeah. off with i guess emotionally appropriate and then they show the pee bed don't forget they show a new shot of it yep from they've used from when, animation from when yusagi was crying was yelling at her and chibi was crying about it yeah still didn't so hear an apology it, it does fit what <laughs> usagi starts thinking here though like all these that's true because usagi's like oh you know she's precocious she's mischievous she's mischievous she's a real pain but you know i gotta protect her she's a child from the future and also i will take this moment to point out the badass song that we were hearing it was called i know senshi you can buy that on itunes you can also get a new cover of it for the 20th anniversary of Sailor Moon. That's really good. Um, you and, can buy that on iTunes as well. So and recommended. If you, and if you're watching the Deke version, you're hearing a song called She's Got the Power. Which is also a pretty cool song. It's. I'll tell you which why. It's not the song from Jim, no. She's Got the Power, which is what I thought Jordan was talking but about. But Chris, listen to these lyrics, okay? okay. Can we listen to Hit the me. lyrics? Hit me. This is the first verse. A crash of thunder, which, oh, by the way, when when this part is sung, it is exactly syncing up with what is happening at that point because it's Rubius attacking and it is okay. Flash of Thunder, a brilliant flash of light. A battle has begun and only one will win the fight. Danger in the air, destroying everything in sight. The time has come to right the wrong with prism power might. How 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 awesome is that? How I mean, that's pretty good. Like that, right? That's pretty good stuff. I I would. I do wish I could hear that under like a a tiny guitar <laughs> some kind of very very small guitar if you have anything uh I, i'm hoping to i'm hoping to record that in time to put it on the episode i'm, I'm really hoping to uh, okay. that is okay. going to be a pretty great cover because that's a pretty badass song so we'll see if you, you can capture that drama i will do i best. do i do like uh i know senshi too because it is it's, it's very much a a 1980s action movie anthem and song think, like it would be on it would be on everybody's mix, workout mixtape is it the only song from that original sailor moon deke cd that's sung by a guy i didn't remember that it was on there well because again that's not the that was not the original one that was the second one luna rock no, so luna rock right which also has i know senshi on it which was cool back in the day when you didn't know that existed and you were 11 like me i didn't i never had it back in the day so i i never really listened to it um I'll have to listen to it again because you guys are recommending it so strongly. Okay, so where are we now? We've got Usagi is down and Chibiosa is Tuxedo Mask shows up. He throws a rose. He manages to block these things with his cape. And then in a move that we have never seen him do before, that I can't decide if it's the coolest thing he's ever done or the dumbest thing he's ever done, he sweeps his cape in front of him 
then flings it back and fires out twelve no. a dozen red roses. It's amazing. Are you kidding me? Not only does he fire out a dozen red roses, they perfectly are thrown to exactly correspond with the little explodey bubbles that Rubius is throwing so that they hit on a one-to-one explode right in the middle. Perfect. He's been training. Flawless victory. I will say before, before he shows up, um, we did skip the tiny scene with Sailor Moon that I think is really cool when she's like smacked against the wall. She's obviously in pain and she just grabs onto Chibius' shoulder and stands up all dramatically and just, you know, between Chibius and Rubius and says, I will protect her. I think that's a really cool scene of one of those where Sailor Moon is being a badass. So just to call out to that moment, how cool it is. And then Tuxedo Mask shows up after she's already pumped herself up. They did not need him this time. Well, he does stop Rubius from blowing them up for like a second, which is nice. Anyway, now that once uh, once once he does the the rose for explosion thing, she does her moon halation and uh, hits Rubius with it square on, and Rubius is destroyed, and the show is over. No, uh, it doesn't work. Rubius just teleports away and goes, "Ah, oh, let's get out of here," and they all leave, and he vows revenge. Like when at the last minute, the writers realize, crap, we have a whole other season to fill. This is just going to not have to work. Though he does look like surprised by it. So it does hit him. Yeah, it just doesn't it kill him. him. So he like teleports away and he's kind of shaky a bit in the air. So it's, it's stung. A, a more powerful attack. It is super weird that this is not the last part of this. We get a new song. Like like Lisa said, we have we have movie quality animation in some of this. Like we've got all the heroes squaring off against all the villains. Then it ends with just like, oh, Spectre Sisters retreat. We gotta go. I'll get you next time, Sailor Moon. That is so weird given how intense this fight scene is. Yeah, they just all stop instantly. The fight's over, they're gone. Then all that's left to do is try to comfort Chibi, and, they, uh, and they're like, we'll help you, we'll help you save your mom. And she cries and hugs them and says, please help me, please help me. As we finally get the first real scene where Chibiosa is willing to tell them what is going on. Now, here's the thing. She's talking to the Sailor Scouts at this point because she still does not know that Usagi and her friends are the Sailor Scouts. And someone actually mentioned on Twitter, that makes her incredibly stupid last episode. On the deserted island? When they were on a deserted island, and the only five people there were Usagi and her friends, and then the Sailor Scouts showed up. (laughs) There comes a point where you really just, I mean, just like everyone, whether it's Shingo or Naru or anything, it's just accept that this is just show logic or some sort of... (laughs) magical veil over all of them that just hazes your memory and because yeah there's there's no way she should know and i will also note it is now nighttime which means that was not just traumatic sunset before they clearly had some sort of large span of time during the day that went missing so then in another scene intended really just to clue the 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 viewers in on something we cut to wise man talking to himself okay before that like the if you pause in the scene where they show you the location this oh, is yeah. a crazy looking place. Is the ground made of glass? And then there's walkways or some sort of towers that look like a city almost made of plants. Oh, the the, the, the cityscape in the future? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or I think it's a black moon. It's like it's like halfway between like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like a future world and like Tron world or something. I don't know. But all the buildings are weird, like loops, like or not loops, but like curvy things instead of like square buildings. They almost look like, I don't even know. I was going to say like light bulbs or something. 
Yeah, it makes them look kind of organic, but I guess just futury is what they're going for, like almost like dark cocoons or something. And then And Wise Man uh tells us well, Wise Man is talking about Queen Serenity, and we see it for the first time a clear image of Queen Serenity. And guess what, everybody? What? It's Usagi. What? You don't know that. Where's your proof? Well, we saw a picture of her. Well, it's mainly the hair. It's mainly the that she has the same hairstyle for the next thousand years. No. And had it. You mean just like her mother? No, Chris, it's not the hair. It's that the shadow lifts off her face and her facial features reveal that it's the same. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Her very distinct facial features. Her very, very distinct <laughs> Facial features that do not look like anyone else's in this show. Now I want to know how he got this particular picture. Did she pose for this? Is this a painting someone did? Is this just how she casually hangs yes. out? This was the. I feel like this is the cover of uh, Crystal Tokyo Monthly. Like Time Magazine. I was going to say it was a painting by the uh, the future seeing lady. Could be. Could be. Or past seeing lady, I guess. Depending. She can't see the. She can't see the future anymore, though. She can't see the past anymore because that she had monster powers then. Ray still has her monster powers. Ray has priestess powers, Jordan. I don't want to get into this. It's late. <laughs> Ray didn't have the, the monster inside her destroyed. Yeah, okay. that's true. Let's just talk about what we learned. Okay. Jordan, do we have a Sailor Moon says? Yes. Babies and younger kids can really be a pain sometimes. They have a hard time communicating what they want, and that can be very frustrating. Often young kids can't keep up, but they still want to play with us, and that can be really irritating too. But that means we need to be extra patient. If you get angry with younger kids, talk to your parents or another adult about it. If we lose our tempers, we can accidentally hurt those kids. Be patient with your little brothers and sisters. One day they might grow up and be a whole lot bigger than you. Sailor Moon says. Okay, so that was kind of the moral of the actual episode well, no chris that was the important moral that you needed to learn yeah based on your criticisms of the first act i'm not saying she should be like i'm not saying usagi should be angry i'm mm. saying chibiusa needs to apologize <laughs> listen someday she might be bigger than you yeah someday she might be on you that's <laughs> sailor moon says lisa what did you learn from this episode I learned that they use those construction gates not only to stop traffic and pedestrians, but because they are soundproof and you can't see through them. They are a security measure. I was very impressed. And that, Jordan, uh, what did you learn? Okay. And, and that uh, what I'm going to assume is, well, we'll say because it's, I don't know, chunks of Tokyo Juban District are deserted at very convenient times, or they've all done a mass exodus, one or the other. If that's actually what I was going to say, I was going to say I learned that there is no one in Tokyo but our main cast. Like maybe it's one of those one of those things that uh, that we hear about, like like they have in Europe, where everybody goes on vacation at the same time. So all the scouts got back from their vacation last episode early, and the rest of Tokyo is still gone. Or they pulled like a Dragon Ball Z dub where they just say it's a Sunday whenever they want to say why nobody was killed in mass carnage. They're like, oh, good thing those buildings were empty because it's a Sunday. <laughs> Jordan, what did you learn today? Well, that's what I learned. That's what I said. That, that... I, I stole his lesson. Oh, okay. What did you learn? Uh, I learned that Skype is a nightmare devil program. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think we learned that shortly before the episode, not last week when we did not record the episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we definitely learned that sometime over the hour and a half we've been at this and not multiple days. Oof. Of struggling with technology to get this podcast in the hands of you, our <laughs> beloved trash piles. So with that, we we come to the end of the episode. And I gotta say, like, I know I was really, really down on R 
last week because Arr. last week's episode was so stupid and terrible and I hated it so much. But yeah, there is lovely. a lot of fun to be had in this one, I yeah. think. Yeah, this not, one it really a... kicks it off. You can tell this is like, okay, now stuff's gonna start getting serious. Yeah, like once again, I think like everything that involves the Spectre Sisters, much like everything that involves the Four Kings of Heaven, pretty much, is is delightful. Like I loved them arguing about who was gonna murder an infant and being so serious, and then just like Pratt falling all over each other, trying to get at Chibiusa. It was delightful. I mean, Luna P attacking wasn't quite up there with the rat episode, but I did enjoy seeing them get attacked by people other than the Sailor Scouts. <laughs> I don't know that anything will ever be as good as Zoocyte wearing a suit of rats. Oh, that's that whole portion of that episode freaks me out. That episode's <laughs> great. Oh, cat buttholes. So, Jordan, did you do you, what? What do you think about what we just watched? It was a really fun one. It was a really, really fun one. Uh, it's an, it's it's a rare occasion because it's an important plot episode that is also like a good time. No uh, monster of the week in this one. No, you're right. There is no monster. It's just uh, just the bad guys, them their own selves. Yeah. Uh, are there monsters of the week coming back, or or do we stick with that? I think we might stick with that, don't we? I think we might, because I know we're we're about up to the point of R, because we are in the final uh, stretch of R. R, I think, ends at, what, 81, 82? You are going to so get we're... some more Monsters of the Week before this is over. Okay. But we are getting up to the point where we're going to be going into the future. We're going to be seeing Black Lady, a.k.a. Wicked Lady, uh, which is stuff that I like a lot. That's kind of my favorite stuff with Chibiusa. It's all going to be going from here on out. So not too many more months of the week in Sailor Moon R. It's still this particular episode, which is really interesting, because like we said, it's not often you get like all the main current players kind of on the board at the exact same time. And it plays out like you think this is going to be almost a to be continued because you're like, whoa, they're all all 10 plus one are here and there's only five minutes of the episode left. Um, so it does end a little abruptly, but I do think it's kind of cool. It's like a, a foreshadow prelude to the eventual big fight. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Like it's a it's a nice bit of misdirection. Like it's a it's a false finish uh, in a way that I think is really cool you know to the point where you get a new song and everything but yeah like fun stuff i think is going to put us back on track for some really good stuff to come towards the end of r uh please continue writing in and telling me why you like sailor moon r if if that is the case and we will get to those in future episodes uh but that does it for this one lisa thank you so much for joining us you i have to say we have made references to it over the course of this episode this has been our most difficult recording not because of, of us, not because of Lisa, but because purely of technology issues. And Lisa, you were a, a good sport. You were a trooper. You really came through for us. I'm so sorry it took this long uh, to get this done. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, no, it's my absolute pleasure. You guys were great. Through thick and thin and Skype, it was all good. We will have to have you back some other time when when we are sure that we can just get a nice, nice, easy episode done. But but you have been a, an absolute delight. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having uh, me. Before we let you go, can you tell everyone where they can find you online? Uh, yep, they can find me uh, personally on Twitter at uh, Curiosity, spelt with a K and then with a U as I'm Canadian. Um, 
And if you want to see what I spend every waking moment of my life working on, you can go to gomanga.com, which is Seven Seas Entertainment website, which is the company I'm production manager for. Awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Crackshot with a zero for an O. And you can find our terrific production guy, Jake Mason, on Twitter at JJ underscore Mason, and also on his other podcast, The Morphin Grid. Where Jordan will be learning about Power Rangers. <laughs> sure. You can find the show on Twitter at Sailor Business, and you can email us sailorbusinesspodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions for our guests, any questions for me and Jordan. If you just want to talk about Sailor Moon, tell us you enjoyed the show. Tell us something you didn't enjoy about the show. Don't do that. That's a dick move. I don't know why I even brought it up. But get in contact with us through there. We love reading the tweets. We love uh, fan art, obviously is great if you have not seen some of the great fan art we've done for the show or or, or that we've gotten for the show jordan and i haven't done a thing uh we should probably post that up somewhere uh jordan you should maybe make a maybe make a page on the on sailorbusiness.com yeah because we've gotten so much good stuff from from shannon maynard from christina murdaugh from a lot of really great people we got multiple images of chibiusa as cable which is great we should probably just start a sailor business tumblr i guess right uh yeah w- you should do that i did the email that's <laughs> uh, true well, all right i'll think about it yeah we'll we'll look we'll get it we'll get it in there uh but definitely get in touch with us and let us know uh you can find me personally at the isb on twitter or uh by going to about.me slash chris sims c-h-r-i-s-s-i-m-s i misspoke last time the paperback for uh, X-Men 92 is not out yet, but it will be out on Wednesday if you hear this when it goes up. So go pick that up if you don't already have those issues. If you've been waiting for the paperback, I co-wrote it uh, with Chad Bowers. Jordan edited it. It's a good time. And the ongoing series comes back on March 30th. That does it for this week's episode. We will be back next week with Sailor Moon R episode 69. Nice. Awaken the Sleeping Beauty, Memoru's Distress. And until then, keep your mind on sailor business. Our national nightmare is over. Maybe you should stop the recording so you know it saves.